Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. God is so good, isn't he? Yes. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Father, we just bless you. We just give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Father, we welcome the introduction of your word into our lives, Father. Your word, Father, the entrance of your word brings light, Lord God, where there's been darkness in our lives. And we're just so grateful, so thankful for all that you've done for us, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We're talking about relationships. We're continuing this weekend. We started last weekend on relationships. Title of this series is Real Relationships. Tonight, we're going to uh, get into part two. Last weekend's message kind of struck a chord with a lot of people. got a lot of feedback. And I believe it's because we have been created in the image and likeness of God. And God is not a God of isolation. When we get into, sometimes, I don't know about you, you know, I, I, every once in a while, you know, every one of us has to fight that, that funk that tries to come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know? And we have to just push back, and we have to just say, no, 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 no. Because, you know, the tendency is when you get in that kind of a thing is you want to isolate yourself. You want to go home. You want to just crawl up on the couch with a half a gallon of ice cream. And just sit there and feel sorry for yourself, right? But we can't do that. Because God is not a God of isolation. God is a God of relationships. He is, you realize this, he is triune in nature. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, okay? That's, that's relationship right there. And uh, just think about it, just think about it. Right now, in heaven, he is surrounded by countless angels. He is surrounded by all the saints that have ever lived since Adam's time. Uh, our God loves company. I don't know if you like that. He loves company. He doesn't like to be by himself. He prefers to be in relationship. Amen? He is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, relationship. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, 5, verse 14 says this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That's relationship. Fellowship is relationship. 1 Corinthians chapter, nine, chapter 1 verse 9 says this. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship. There again, it's indicating relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So again, God, even in blessing, even in praying, we're always referred back to relationship, to fellowship. We are made, be created by God to not only create, but to also sustain healthy relationships. And last week, we talked about the fact that relationships are extremely valuable to our spiritual maturity because they are the proving ground of our love walk. You cannot grow in your love walk if you're never around anybody, if there's never anyone to aggravate you, if there's ne never anyone to kind of step on your toes or step on that last nerve. How are you ever going to develop a love walk? Because we are commanded to love, amen? amen? Not just when it's convenient, we're commanded to love. And usually, just life circumstances, so make sure that there's people in your life that you will have to force yourself to love. Amen. 
We believe, and we believe that God so much emphasizes this concept of relationship that he sent his only son to the earth, sacrificed himself on the cross, so that the blood of Jesus could pave the way back for mankind to be in relationship with the Father. And again, just doing a little bit of review here before we move on. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they broke relationship with God. And ever since that day, God has been busy, intent upon bringing mankind back into relationship with himself. He is the initiator. Amen? Our life now is to be spent repairing and rebuilding not only our relationship with the Father, but our relationship with one another. So, it's the word of God that teaches us how to form boundaries. It's the word of God that teaches us guidelines and how to have quality relationships. When we walk according to the principles of the word, the guidelines of the word, we're going to have healthy relationships. We're not going to abuse one another. We're not going to try to control one another. We're not going to ignore one another. We're going to carry each other's burdens. We're going to love one another. We're going to forgive one another. We're going to make an allowance ahead of time for people's faults and flaws. Now, we wouldn't do that naturally. The Word has to teach us to do that. The Word, when I say the Word, I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about God's Word. That's why it's so important for us to live according to these guidelines, not as a set of do's and don'ts. It's not what it's about. It's just a guideline of how to live and have a healthy relationship with others and how not to kill each other. <laughs> Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 states this, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, speaking of Jesus, with this question. Verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus gave us instructions. He gave us uh, a directive that covers all three facets of relationships. Number one, loving God. Number two, loving self. We're gonna talk, so we're gonna talk about in this, in then part two. And then number three, loving others. Number one, loving God, is, is, it's a matter of priority. Jesus said it's the greatest commandment because it sets the foundation for all other relationships. Without a relationship with God, Without this relationship with God being good, being in the right standing, being in the right way it's supposed to be, restored, we cannot have healthy relationships with one another because our soul is undermined when we're not connected with God, when we are not connected with our creator, when we are still separated from him through sin. And, and this is the crazy part because sin has been dealt with already. There is no reason for any human being on this earth not to have a restored relationship with the Father. See, before Jesus came, our sin separated. Our sin, there was a block between us and him. But that's been dealt with now. Jesus paid for all of our sin. So it's like, what, what's keeping us from him? There's nothing. It's all in our mind. It's not in his. As far as he's concerned, sin's been dealt with. In fact, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that he's not counting the, those sins against us any longer. Why would he count them against us when Jesus already suffered and paid for those? That'd be unfair. Everything that Jesus suffered on the earth would be a slap in his face for us to still be concerned about sin and for God to be concerned about sin. Are, are you catching this? It's been paid for, so there's nothing separating us. And God wants us to have that restored relationship with him. So the first priority is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, 
Uh, with everything that we have, even that song that we just sang, with everything that's within us, to love him. Because when we love him, our soul becomes settled and stabilized. When your soul is stabilized, now you can take on other relationships. Now it's safe for you, or at least semi-safe for you, to get involved with other people. Because when your soul is destabilized, when it's unstable, Anybody ever been in a relationship with an unstable individual? Dear God Almighty. Amen. Hallelujah. So, does anybody here that is not in that stable relationship with the Father, you can have an opportunity before the end of the service to line yourself up with God in such a way that there's nothing separating you from him. He's your father. He's your creator. He loves you. And he wants to draw you into that relationship. Amen? Amen. So number two, part two. According to Jesus, the next priority in life or in healthy relationships is we must love ourselves. When we speak of loving ourselves, and we're not talking about that arrogant, stuck-up, prideful, self-centered, self-worship that our society is obsessed with. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having a healthy assessment about ourselves, a healthy perspective about ourselves. Because when you have a healthy perspective of yourself, I may be getting ahead of myself here a little bit. But when you have a healthy perspective about yourself, when you recognize that you're not perfect, when you recognize that you're not God, you're safe to let out of the cage. Until that point, stay home. Don't even go on social media. You're going to damage people. Amen? So, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Awesome scripture here. Let's look at it. For I say, Paul, this is Paul writing. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Well, watch this now. We're talking about a healthy assessment. But to think soberly, soberly, balanced, healthy, when we see ourselves, now watch this now. Watch what it says. He said, don't think too much highly of yourself. But then he says, but think soberly. In other words, but don't be like these people that constantly debase themselves. I'm just no good. I just can't, I'm, I'm just worthless. I'm just, just not right. God doesn't want us to do that either. Religion wants you to do that. Religion wants you to make you think you are absolutely worthless. Jesus came to liberate us from that kind of junk. He said, I came to give them life and give them life in abundance. When you have self-hatred, that's not abundant life. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Don't think you're all it. But think soberly. As God has dealt with to each one of us a measure of faith. Now listen to it in the Passion Translation. This is really good. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion 
and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement. Then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem, appropriate self-esteem. In the last couple of generations, we have been bombarded with every type of theory, therapy, books, seminars, TV programs on how to build your self-esteem. If your self-esteem is not based on what God says about you, what Jesus has done for you, you're still going to be out of balance. And sometimes it seems like some of us that have suffered from low self-esteem in life, once we get a hold of, wow, God loves me and Jesus died for me, it's it's like they go from one extreme to, of course, nobody in here, but they go from one extreme to the other extreme and you can't even talk to these people. They're like, you know, I'm the child of the king. Well, so am I. It's the same king. And, you know, God loves me very special. Yeah. He does me too. And everybody else in this room. So, so what Paul is saying is it's just don't go from one extreme to the other. Don't get crazy. Don't get, you know, don't spend all your time looking in the mirror. Take a proper, balanced assessment. Thank God. What you'd be, be thinking is, like, like, thank God I'm not where I was. But sweetheart, we still got work to do. Thank God we're not where we were. But, but thank God we're still not done. He's still got plans for us. Thank God that I'm not there where I used to be. But thank God that he's still working on me and having a proper assessment. Because you see, when you don't have a proper assessment, when you think that you've arrived, you get blindsided. And the enemy will set you up. And you'll find yourself right back to the place that you were in before. Especially today, in these days of social media, we have become a society obsessed with image, image, image. We think everybody else lives like they put their pictures on Facebook. You know, just, and, and deep down inside, you know, we wish, oh, man, I wish I was like so-and-so. Wish I, could, wish I had like really nice, really cool posts. Go knock on their door when they're not expecting you to come. See what they look like and then pull out the, is this really you? Are you sure, is there anybody else in here? Is it? Literally, some people's moods are actually determined by how much attention they get on social media. Constantly look, how many likes, how many likes, how many shares? That stuff is dangerous because that, that mindset keeps the focus on ourselves. Instead of loving God with all we are and instead of caring for others. Paul wrote to Timothy about the days that we're living in. And man, what a description of today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this. 
In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people, look at the very, very first thing here. For people will be lovers of what? Self. Lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. That one there really stands out. You mean, there's some people, no matter what you do for them, no matter how much you do for them, they want more. Well, I deserve this. You should be doing this for me, because after all, you know who I am. What? Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. That goes back to being a lover of self. Lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure, lovers of pleasure. $50,000 in credit card debt. Well, Well, I need to go away on vacation. I need a break. Your $50,000 in credit debt, that credit card needs to break, not you. <laughs> but you see, when you think you're all it, when you, you think the whole universe revolves around you, so what happens? Now you come back from the vacation and you're $65,000 in debt. Is this too real? Yeah, I didn't say it was you. He goes on to say, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. We, today we would say, unfriend them. <laughs> Block them. You don't need to, be, you don't need to have that stuff because that, you know, that, that's infectious. I don't know if you understand. That is contagious. You get around people where everything's about them, everything's about them, everything's about them. Next you start thinking, everything's about me. That's not godly. Now, neither is this attitude that religious people have where we're just worthless. Wait a second. The basis of having a healthy assessment of myself is based upon the fact that Jesus died on the cross for every single one of us. I don't think he died on the cross for worthless. We were worth something to him. He laid his life down for us. But religion wants to rob us of that. And it's amazing how it creates a false humility instead of a healthy assessment of self. I'll tell you a little story. A small country church had a discussion amongst the congregation about who was the most humble person among them. They had all agreed it was Brother William, the most humble, selfless, loving Christian man among them. When the day came for the, for the award to be presented, the church was packed. Brother William was called to the platform and was presented a beautiful diamond tie tack. Two seconds later, it was snatched away from him on the grounds that his acceptance of the award disqualified him. That's, that's how crazy religion will make you. And let me tell you something, okay? You might not have, not have a problem with this message, but there are a lot of people that have problems with this kind of message. Because we're supposed to be, religion wants us to be just ground in the dust. 
Never lift your head up. I know some people get offended by praying to God, Father, help me. Help me to find my career. Help me to find my place. Help me to find my place in this life. Help me to have success in this life. Would be seen as blasphemous. Would be seen, how could you, how could you ask God for something like that? You're supposed to be the little weak old worm in the dust. Jesus said, I have come to give them life and life in abundance. Life in abundance is not spending your face, not spending your life with your face in the ground. It is, depending on the Holy Spirit that's within you. Allowing the word of God to lift you up out of the dust and to bring you to a place where you reflect God in your everyday life, God in your career, God working through you to lift other people out of the dust. Religion will never do that, but a relationship with Jesus will. Amen? Amen? That's what it does. Religion demeans, it demoralizes, it says that there's nothing good in you. In Romans chapter 12, that we read just a little while ago, it speaks about being balanced. Not thinking more highly, but also not self-debasing. You realize this, I don't know if you've ever been, or if, you've, if you've ever been this way, or if you've ever known someone who's been this way. A person who's self-debasing, a person who's just filled with self-loathing and self-hatred, what can they project out of their lives to you? Now, there is times when we're supposed to have remorse. We're supposed to experience that. I remember, I can't go into details, but I remember a time just a few months after I became born again, 34 years ago. I did something worse than I would have done before I came to Christ. But I had never experienced remorse before. It hit me so hard and I had to go to my wife, and I had to go and admit this, and I had to go and explain to her the details. And the overwhelming sense of remorse, I thought I was going to die that night. I remember kneeling on the living room floor, not knowing if I was going to vomit or if I was going to pass out. It hit me so hard what I had done. And that was the first time that I could say to you, that I heard the audible voice of God. Now, if you were in the room, you wouldn't have seen. All you would have seen was this, this wretch on the floor just ready to pass out. From the emotion, from the grief. You wouldn't have heard the voice, but I heard it on the inside. And this is what I heard. You stick with me or you're a dead man. That'll get your attention. I didn't have to ask him to explain it. I didn't have to ask him, was it, was it, how do you say that in Hebrew or Greek or anything else? All I knew is, that was it, my life, I could never again go and repeat. But he forgave me. And he picked me up. And he cleaned me off. And he sent me on my way. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Can anybody here relate to that? So yeah, I felt worthless that night. But he didn't leave me there. His grace and his mercy just picked me up, set me back out. Had I stayed in that, and I was a, I was a person that had a lot of self-hatred, 
And that's all I could project to everybody was around me. If you care about the people around you, if you care about your relationships, if you care about your marriage, if you care about your family, if you, if you care to influence people in the right way, get healed on the inside. Now, don't go to the extreme. Don't become conceited. Don't become super, Mr. Super Righteous and pointing everybody else's stuff out. But don't stay in that pig pen. Don't stay in that mess. Get up and get out. And have a healthy assessment, a healthy perspective of yourself. You know, there's one thing about God. He is a very wise steward. I don't know if we know that that word might be a little bit lost today in our vocabulary. A steward is a manager, a supervisor, a person who is responsible for dispersing either money or goods or, or whatever. It's a person who has responsibility. And it's a responsibility to invest in order to produce a profit. God invested Jesus so that he could gain every single one of us. We are his prophet, and I hope that doesn't offend you to think of it that way. He invested Jesus so that he could get us. He's a wise steward. He would not invest in you if he did not know that you had the potential in you to rise up out of the garbage heap and to become a person not only that enjoys a healthy relationship, but also can walk in and nurture healthy relationships with others. The person who suffers from self-rejection and doesn't want to get out of that, the person who entertains self-hatred, unwilling to forgive oneself, actually does just as much damage to a relationship as a person who entertains selfishness and self-centeredness. Both ends of the spectrum are still unbalanced. Both ends of the spectrum are not healthy. But there's that balance. What Paul said, he called it sober, to be, to, to be sober-minded, to be balanced, to be healthy. And we're not going to get to that place without having an attitude of thanksgiving, uh, an attitude of, of, if I put it this way, an attitude of gratitude, being grateful for what God is doing in us. Again, we're not there yet, and, and none of us are going to get there in this lifetime. None of us is going to reach perfection in this lifetime. It's impossible. However, how about being grateful for the fact that the things that you used to do without even thinking about it, you're not doing anymore. The type of person you were, the way you reacted, the way you responded, the way that you interacted with others has changed. People don't feel like they have to walk in eggshells when they're around you. Thank God for the progress that you've made, but thank God that he's committed to work with you even to bring you further. Amen? I don't know about you, but there's some days I pray, Jesus, don't come today. <laughs> and don't take me home today. I don't want to meet you like this. Anybody know? Can anybody relate? 
Turn to somebody and say, I know what he's talking about. So when we're talking about love of self, Jesus made this the second priority. We're talking about a, a type of love that's based upon humility and thankfulness. Listen to Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My soul knows well. Our soul is our mind our will, our emotions. So, so David, watch this now. David is imperfect of a person that he was, and God only knows he was imperfect. Still his soul gained. He learned about the goodness of God, about the forgiveness of God, about the grace of God. And, and, and listen to me. God is so much bigger than just forgiving us and, and saving us from going to hell. I'm so grateful that he's not only committed to keep me out of hell, but he's committed to take me by the hand and say, let me walk you through and let me bring you from where you used to be to where I know you can go. He understood. He didn't boast on himself. He wasn't boasting on himself. He was boasting on his creator. That kind of satisfaction, I want you to listen to this. That kind of satisfaction with self only comes from that, that I can't describe it anything else, but a settled, what's the word I'm looking for? A mindset, a realization that you are born again that your spirit has been perfected in the sight of God. And your soul, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing in life. From the minute that we say, yes, I believe in Jesus, I, I believe he's the son of God, I believe he died on the cross for me. Jesus, I want you to be my savior, I want you to be my Lord, come into my heart. From that moment that we do that, to the moment we step into eternity, our soul, listen to me, is trying to catch up with our spirit. Our spirit is already born again. We're, our spirit is perfect in the sight of God. Our soul is trying to catch up with that. Now, the day will come when we step into eternity and all the imperfection of soul, all the character flaws, all the weaknesses, it's like we're going to go through like this filter and they're just going to get filtered out and we'll be able to stand him before him, stand before God. That is the definition of being righteous. The definition of being righteous is not that you got your act together. The definition of being righteous is that you can stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. When you get that reality, now you're ready to have a relationship with others and not do damage to them. Are you listening to me? That's the healthy self-view. Proverbs chapter 14 says this. Verse 14. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Now, here's the good part. And a good man, some translations say a righteous man, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Now, on the surface, you think about it, you go, wait a second. I thought my satisfaction was supposed to be in God. Yes, but when you're born again and his spirit lives inside you, there is a settledness that comes. There's a sense of <sighs> satisfaction. He's saying the good man, 
I'll put it to you this way. The man or the woman that is safe now to let out of the cage and let them go out into public where they're going to meet other people are satisfied because they realize who they are on the inside. That balance, that settledness. Satisfied from within, himself, herself. Settled in our newly recreated, born again, forgiven, righteous self. Created in the image and likeness of God. That man is content with acknowledging his flaws as well as what God could do in him and through him. That is a person who has a proper assessment of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Okay, you don't want to be in relationship with me. I don't want to be in relationship with you. I, you, you want to be in relationship with the Christ in me. I want to be in relationship with the Christ in you. But sometimes there's so much of us in the way. It's not Christ in me that's going to cause you grief. It's not Christ in me that's going to cause you aggravation. It's me in my unrenewed, unregenerate soul. And so I need the word of God. I need the presence of God. I need the Holy Spirit involved in my life so that the soul could be kept at bay so that the Christ in me, the new born again Joe, that's who you want to experience. So your best chance of talking to me, right after service. (laughs) Don't wait too long. (laughs) Ask my wife, because he's lurking. The old person is lurking, right? right, right, He's right in the shadows. You know what I'm talking about. It's when we've been in his presence. That's why you, you, you and I can't afford to just experience his presence just here. You and I have got to experience him on a regular basis. Why? You don't want to meet the other guy on Tuesday morning. You don't want to meet the old, I don't want to meet your old nature on a Thursday. I want to meet Christ in you. I want to meet the new, regenerated the one who's clothed with the new man. I don't want to, do you want to meet the old man? I don't want to meet the old man. The old man was never any good. The old man, just rip your, rip your throat out. The new man comes from the nature of Jesus in us. The new man is going to speak out of the spirit, out of the heart that has gratitude for what Jesus has done. The old nature is always going to want self to be elevated. The new nature says, I've got to decrease so that he can increase. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. Only then are we capable of loving our neighbors as ourselves. You know, in the Old Testament, there is one of the most peculiar verses in the entire Bible. And most people read it and, and never gave it a second thought. But listen to this. In Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3, this is what it says. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. 
Okay, so what's peculiar about this verse of scripture? Moses wrote it. <laughs> Do you ever think about that one? Moses wrote this. The most humble. But listen, this is an example of an individual who has a balanced assessment of self. It takes a secure person to write something like that. He knew who he was in relationship with God. He knew the changes that had taken place. He knew that the Holy Spirit was telling him, oh, you need to put that in there. You need to write that in there because Joe, in about 3,500 years from now, Joe's going to preach on this message. But imagine this. How secure would you have to be in your relationship with God? Can you imagine how many times Moses must have questioned himself like, I know I feel like I'm being, like the Holy Spirit speaking to me to, to write this, but what is everybody going to say about me? But he was secure in his relationship with his creator. He was secure. Not, not that he arrived. Being humble doesn't mean that you've arrived. Being humble means you have a balanced assessment of yourself. You're not thinking too little, but you're not thinking too much. You listening to me? Humility is defined as having a proper estimation of oneself. Moses had a very messed up life. He killed people. He fled and hid. He lied. Yet God calls upon him and says, you're the one, come on. I need you to go back to Egypt. I need you to go rescue my people. And Moses is like, me? I can't do this. Don't you know they're still looking for me after 40 years? I don't talk right. I talk like I come from North Jersey. <laughs> and God's going, no, no, you're the guy. No, no, send my brother, send somebody else. And then God got angry. Could you watch this now? Could you imagine? God got angry because Moses had less, of, less esteem about himself than God had about him. It says the anger of the Lord burned. You don't want to see the anger of the Lord. You see, the humble person recognizes their weaknesses and their flaws, but also understands, yeah, in myself, I can't accomplish anything. But when I am dependent upon him, when I'm relying upon him, when I'm allowing him to work his power through me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some people have the idea of humility as just being weak. And in some places, this verse is, is translated meekness, that he was the, most, the meekest man on the earth. Well, meekness is power under control. Meekness is not, I'm, I'm worthless, I'm just no good, I can't do anything. Meekness is, now nah, I know what I got but I got it under control. I know what I can do. I know what I can accomplish. I know what I can attain. I know what I can make happen, but I have it under control. You see the difference? That's balance. When you've allowed God to forgive you, to restore you, and to make you see yourself as he sees you, then you are ready to be a blessing to another person. We, like Moses, must learn to forgive and to forget our past so we can have healthy 
relationships with another human being. Yet, we're, we're still going to sin. I don't know if you realize that. We're still going to sin. We're still going to make mistakes. But we must see ourselves and love ourselves through the eyes of our Savior, who loved us and gave his life for us. Jesus knows what it's like to be in your skin. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, it describes Jesus Christ as a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to live on this earth. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to feel weakness. God calls each one of us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy, and to find help in our time of need from Jesus, our high priest, the very one who understands what it's like to live in this life, the very one who understood what it's like to have difficult relationships. How would you like to be constantly criticized, constantly ridiculed, constantly mocked, constantly disbelieved, constantly set up to be trapped and make mistakes, and yet still be able to go to the cross and love every single one of his persecutors? Loving yourself is all about seeing yourself through the eyes of grace, not holding your sins and your past mistakes against yourself while you realize you are only who you are because of God and his love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul said this, yes, I am the most insignificant of all apostles, unworthy to even be called an apostle because I hunted down believers and persecuted God's church. Verse 10, so important. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am, and his grace to me is not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace is poured out upon me. When you and I have this kind of stable, non-arrogant, healthy view of ourselves, we can now love our neighbors as ourselves, and our life can be in balance. So listen, church, go ahead. Love what Jesus is making you into. Knowing that he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Get healed on the inside. Deal with the hurts. Deal with the wounds. Deal with the insecurities. Be aware that you're not perfect and never will be, but also have an expectation that God is not done yet. He is perfecting the things that concern you. Now that you're on your way, start loving others in the same way. Accept their flaws. Have faith for their change. Cover their sins with love, but pray for them to live a life that's dedicated to Jesus. Forgive just as God forgave us in Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you have stirred up in us. Thank you for the grace that you showered us with. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for accepting us just the way we were. But Father, thank you for loving us too much to leave us the way we were. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is constantly at work in us, constantly trying to detach us more and more of our old self from our old self and attaching us more and more to the image and likeness of Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for preparing us for healthy relationships. May you always be glorified in everything that we do and everything that we say. In Jesus' name. And everybody said?
Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.